the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as you are all aware by now, we made it through another week. This is the Friday edition of the show. It's also one more day till Joy of Jesus show. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a few moments. But I want to remind you, as I do every opening of the program, that this is a radio program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Whatever's on your heart and mind, maybe you're going through something that's really difficult. Um, I tell you all the time, the Bible has the answers, and we'll do the best that we can to help point you to those answers. Here's our phone numbers for your live calls, 340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free if you're outside the local area at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can also send your questions in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now button and you'll be connected directly to uh, our studio. Uh, We are uh, on the verge of uh, tomorrow's Joy of Jesus event uh, at Travis Park tomorrow at 11 o'clock from uh, 11 till 3, actually 3 in the afternoon. Uh, Travis Park is located in the heart of downtown San Antonio. Um, We invite you to come out uh, and just have a blast. Just have a blast. The temperature is going to be a little cooler than I like, but it will be comfortable for everybody else. Um, Our people will be out there about 6 in the morning getting everything set up. There's so much going on. It takes more time than I have to describe. We've been talking about it for a week. Uh, but we'd love to have you. If you are in this listening audience and you come out tomorrow, uh, find somebody in a blue shirt and tell them to find Pastor Ron and Paula because we'd like to meet you face-to-face. Going to be a great, great time. So that's tomorrow at Travis Park in downtown San Antonio. And I have to take just 30 seconds for a personal note. I understand my dear sweet Melody is not feeling well, and she keeps saying, it's okay, I'll be better by tomorrow, I'll be better by joy of Jesus' time. So Melody, we're praying for you, and I'm asking Jesus to give your body strength and to get rid of the junk you've got, and tomorrow you'll be able to do what you always do so well at joy of Jesus, that's to dance and have fun and tell people about Jesus. So we're praying for you, sweetheart. I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Okay, one more time, 340-9585 for your live calls and question. Let's go to uh, line one, Jordan calling from San Antonio. Jordan, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Hey, Pastor Ron. It's, uh, I called you yesterday asking you about marijuana, and um, I appreciate your advice that you gave me. I took it to heart, and I decided I've looked up a lot of uh, things. You know, uh, a lot of what other preachers have to say on it, and it's hard to say that they're not being genuine because they all say the same thing you're saying. It's a sin, and it's wrong, and I decided that it's something I need to put behind me because I have smoked it for pleasure, not for medical reasons. (laughs) Um, Now, the issue I have, I have a twofold question here. 
Okay. You said, you know, um, are you a born-again Christian yesterday? And I would say that I am. Um, but I want to know how you know you have the Holy Spirit in you, one. And then number two is, like, after doing multiple, you know, research searches on, on uh, is it a sin and why I should quit, I decided to tell my wife, you know, it's something that I think we need to get out of our house and uh, put behind us. And she struggles with anxiety and depression. Now, she told that, you know, well, that's fine, but, you know, I'm just going to have to get a doctor's prescribed medication for it because she thinks that she needs medication for it. I think anxiety and depression is something that's in something that you can, in a sense, control and overcome with the right willpower. Now, my question is, is I know that something like a Xanax or whatever those antidepressants are is a lot worse than weed would be, and weed has seemed to be really helping, especially because I have a two-year-old son at home. I don't want... Uh, you know, her to be taking a Xanax to help with her depression because that's an antidepressant. Because in the past, I have taken those before. It's not good, especially if you're going to be rearing, you know, a, a child. It's it's something that, you know, I think is really damaging um, both to your health and just for your functionality. It really takes you out of your right frame of mind, those prescription drugs. So my question on the second question is, is how do I go about, what, what do I do? Do I leave, let her continue to use that to help fit with her depression? Or do we go see a doctor and get a prescription? That's what's going to happen. I, I think that's way worse for her health. Way worse for her. She, you can't serve God when you're on those types of medications in even a moderate dose. You know, I remember yeah. taking a small moderate dose, I'd pass out and yeah. you just can't remember anything on a Xanax. Yeah. So Yeah. I understand. The, yeah, I understand the question, Jordan. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask you to listen on the radio only because uh, we're getting some breakup in your phone, and I've got a lot to say, and it's really, really important. And, and I think I can help both you and your wife. So thank you very, very much, Jordan. I appreciate so much. Uh, the first thing, Jordan, that I want to say to you is I want you to realize at this moment how proud, how pleased Jesus is with the choice you've made. You've decided of your own free will to put something that you decided was sinful down in order to please God. And he would want you to know, if you could hear his voice audibly, Jordan, what he would be saying is, I knew that's who you are. I knew that you belong to me. And in fact, when I asked you yesterday, Jordan, if you were born again, and it's really, really important, um, you just answered the question because you made the difficult choice and you did it for Jesus. And that's what born-again Christians do. So thank you for being obedient. Um, Thank you for uh, deciding that your relationship with with God through Jesus Christ was more important than than getting high, even even, um, um, in moderation. Uh, He is so very, very pleased. Um, I, I just, I couldn't be more thrilled. Now, Uh, First question is, and it's the easiest one to answer, is how do you know you have the Holy Spirit? We know because he promised. Uh, Every born-again Christian has the Holy Spirit. It was the post-resurrection Jesus that leaned over and breathed on his disciples who will be apostles and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit of God. And that was uh, an initial infilling of God's Spirit. Um, the Bible says that the Spirit of God, upon the time that we're regenerated, we're born again, the Spirit has been given to us as a, as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That Spirit is not just uh, partially God, uh, a junior partner in the Trinity. He is fully God. He is another Jesus, just in a different form. Rather than physical, Jesus said, I will send you another comforter, another counselor, uh, and he will be in you and he will be with you. And that's Jesus saying that he will be with us and he will be in us. So you've got the Holy Spirit. 
Now, Jordan, what you're going to experience is the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get there tonight, but in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, I'm, I'm, I, I was going to teach on Acts chapter 5 tonight and finish a chapter, but I'm going to use just a few verses in our study tonight uh, to, to really talk about joy of Jesus and what we're doing tonight and, and, and draw some parallels between the first century church and, and what we're going out to do tomorrow. Um, but, but Acts 5.32 says that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey. And the context there is in power. And you now, Jordan, have given the our Lord an opportunity to, to fill you with power. It's a different relationship. The Spirit is in you. He will never leave you. But His power comes upon you when we take steps of obedience. And that's exactly what you've done. So we know it, not because we get goosebumps. We know it. Uh, because you couldn't have made, you wouldn't have made the decision that you made uh, after researching the, the question you asked yesterday, uh, had you not had the person of the Holy Spirit in you. So uh, I'm really, really proud. I'm really, really relieved for you and grateful. Um, one thing you need to do, and we didn't talk about this yesterday, and uh, that's okay, uh, but I, I just want to, as, in as strong a terms as I possibly can, to encourage you to be a part of a healthy, thriving, Bible-teaching church. doesn't have to be our church. I don't even know if you live in the same area where, where we are. But you and your wife together need to go to a church and learn to fall in love with Jesus. You need to learn who He is. You see, you made a tough decision, but the reason you struggled with the decision in the first place was because Jesus was a stranger to you. He was your Savior, but you didn't know Him well. And I lead with that into the, answering the second question because the same thing is true with your wife. Now what she's going to see is a different Jordan. She's going to see a Jordan who has the joy of the Lord without marijuana. She's going to see a Jordan whose only crutch is the person of Jesus Christ. And, and, and God's going to use you, Jordan, to encourage her to get to know him as well. So now's the time that you and your wife together, you sit down and start reading the Bible together doesn't have to be in huge chunks. I'm not talking about sacrificing all of your time. But, but get up in the morning and you read a chapter. I'm sorry, Jordan, you read a chapter. Let her read a chapter and then talk about it. Now start with the beginning of a book and don't stop till you get to the end of a book. You can read maybe just the first chapter. Start with the Gospel of John. You read the chapter out loud, let her read it back to you out loud, and then you can talk about it. I promise the Holy Spirit's going to start moving. And she is going to learn that she is able, she is really able to deal with anxiety and depression um, because the Bible tells us that in His presence is the fullness of joy. It doesn't mean that she's going to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that all of the problems are going to go away. But what it means is that the Spirit of God is stronger than Xanax. The Spirit of God is stronger than marijuana. So I would at least avoid going to a doctor. A doctor is going to prescribe antidepressants, and they do that so quickly. So unless her condition is, is severe, um, you and her together, you hold her hand, you look into her eyes and tell her that we'll go through this together. I know you have anxiety, and I know you're prone to depression, but let's let Jesus take over our lives. Let's cast our cares on him, Peter says, because he cares for us. And the more you get to know Jesus, and as you and your wife do this together, imagine the future that you're creating for your child and any future children that you have. Imagine the example you're setting a sober husband full of the joy of the Lord. A sober wife in your house full of the joy of the Lord. A, a, a sober mom and dad for your child. And Jordan, I, I, I can just promise you that, that the Lord won't uh, disappoint you. Uh, you walk to Him and He'll run to you. And this is something that you and your wife need to do together. Now, I understand something that I hope you understand that this all sounds sort of simple, but it's because you don't really know him yet. You don't really know him yet. 
And when you and your wife sit together, reading the word, letting Jesus minister to you, he'll change everything. I'm talking, these are the promises of the word of God. I've seen this very thing happen more times than I can communicate. As people are full of Jesus, all this other stuff in the world goes away. Uh, my final thought on this, Jordan, um, we've got people here who can help you. Again, I don't know if you're attached to a church. If you are, your church has people that can help you. But we've got people here who've gone through the same kind of things and, and people that can help. Uh, and you'll find the most loving group of people ever. So give Jesus the opportunity to really, really rule and reign in your lives. Get to know this stranger. Open your Bibles and let him thrill you both. I couldn't be more pleased, Jordan. Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful praise report. I'm full of the joy of Jesus already, and it's not even tomorrow yet. So thank you, Jordan. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let me also say this. I've been getting pictures uh, emailed to me today, and yes, I email because i got a big screen. I can make the letters really big. I don't text. But um, um, uh, I want to congratulate Pastor Alfredo and Sandra uh, and uh, Nomine and Kieran. Uh, today, the uh, adoption is official. They are legally um, new moms and dads. They've got grown kids, but now they've got these two beautiful kids that, that the Lord has rescued by sending to them. And uh, to see all the support that you got from our church family down at the courthouse, uh, it was thrilling to me. Paula sent me the pictures, and I just I told her, I just love our church. I just love these people. Um, Alfredo and Sandra, thank you um, for making this adoption possible. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Jordan made my day. He doesn't even know it yet. Doesn't even know me, and he's made my day. Here's a question from Patrick. Uh, Proverbs 22 says that we're to train up a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. And it's in the end, they will not depart of it. Here's the question. Why do so many kids leave the faith? And is that a verse that we can depend on? Patrick, what you've got to understand uh, about the, the poetic books, uh, Job is a, a poetic book, um, Psalms, obviously, uh, Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. They're, they're, they're poetic in form. And so we don't make doctrine out of this. This is a general rule. Uh, in the Jewish mindset, um, you know, the, the word was to be read, the word was to be communicated, the stories about God's faithfulness were to be communicated to the children over and over and over, day after day. Um, uh, it was just the way the family was, was put together. And Solomon in Proverbs 22 is just saying this is a general principle. This isn't a specific promise that we can make doctrine from. Obviously, we know that a lot of kids leave the faith. But they leave the faith because they weren't really saved in the first place. And I think our problem in the United States is we raise a kid in our home. We make him go to church. I get to part in, in the, the kids' church or youth group. Um, then they go away to school. They go into the workforce. And, and they forget all about Jesus when they're tempted um, with, with, with sin. Um, but, but the people that depart... Uh, were, were people that, that never made their own choice. You see, parents can't raise children to be Christian. They can raise children to tell them about Jesus. They can make them go to church, and they should, by the way. Um, um, and, and, but at some point, every child has to make their own choice. Every single child. When they get to the age of accountability or beyond, they're going to have to make that choice for themselves. And I wish a parent's prayers could guarantee salvation. But everyone makes that decision on their own. Now, here's what you can do, Patrick. As a dad, your wife is a mom. Your home can be so bathed in the peace of Jesus and in the joy of Jesus. Your lives can be so filled with dedication, commitment to God that they can see that mom and dad's Jesus is real. 
and you can surround them in the Word. You can wash them in the water of the Word. You can participate with them in church. But at the end of the day, if your home isn't a home committed and submitted to Christ, if your home is a home, and Patrick, this isn't about you personal because I don't know who you are, but if your home is a home where moms and dads yell at each other and argue, or it's a home filled with anger or anxiety, if every time something goes wrong, mom and dad freak out, well, the kids are just going to learn that your Jesus isn't real to you. He's a name that you proclaim, and he's somebody they hear about at church. But the value has to be recognizable for your children. And I promise you that if you raise your children up like that, even if they make bad choices, they will return to the Lord because at some point they're going to get desperate enough to say, I want my mom and dad's Jesus. I want the kind of peace in my house, in my heart, that, that I had in the house growing up. But believe me, the enemy is going to use any bit of hypocrisy. When as parents we say one thing, with our lips it's Jesus, but with our actions it's anything but, we're going to frustrate our kids. In Ephesians, Paul says, Fathers, do not embitter, one translation says, another translation says, exasperate your children. We're consistent consistently joyful. Again, it doesn't mean artificially happy. It just means that we have the joy of the Lord even when things are difficult. If your children see you go him, go to Him first in prayer instead of trying to take matters into your own hands. If your children hear a mom and dad who will occasionally mess up and then come to them and say, you know what? What we did was sin. We're sorry. And we want you guys to hold us accountable because we don't want to misrepresent Jesus. And they can hear the genuine heart of a believer. Well, when you raise them like that, Patrick, I can pretty well promise that when they leave the faith, when they make bad choices, we know the Holy Spirit's going to be right there, taken by the hand, bringing them back to the Jesus they were raised for. So I hope that helps, Patrick. Remember, the poetic books are not books that we can make doctrine out of. These are general principles, and generally this is true. So you can depend on it in that sense, but this isn't a very specific promise that if we do all the right things, check all the right boxes, that everything is going to be okay. So Patrick, I hope that helps. I think we're inside about uh, three minutes, three and a half minutes left for this half of the program. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from our email inbox from Drew. He says, good day, my friend. Thank you, Drew. I'm on the West Coast next eight days with my job. I pray tomorrow's joy of Jesus. Event is a day steeped in Jesus' love and compassion. God bless you all. Oh, Drew, thanks. It makes It matters so much that you're thinking about us. Um, have a good time in California. You'd have more fun if you were here with us at Travis Park. Uh, you've been to a couple of these Joy of Jesuses, so you know what it's like. And uh, again, we miss you, and we will have a great day. You know, with the time that we have left, let me just talk about Joy of Jesus before we go to some other questions, because I don't think we have enough time to answer a full question. Um, but if Drew were here, here's what he'd tell you. Walk onto the park at Travis Park, and you'd see more activity than you could possibly imagine. You'd see, right from the beginning, two really, really long lines. And that's the homeless population uh, and anybody else in the park who's there for food. And we're going to be cooking hamburgers and sausages and all kinds of food this year. we got more food than we know what to do with. Um, drinks and, and all the other kind of stuff. But there's going to be a really, really long line um, going by the f place where the food is going to be cooked. We're going to have two huge barbecues out there. Uh, grilling the hamburgers and the sausage and all those things. So uh, you'd see that really long line. There's opportunities to talk to the people in line while they're waiting. Tell them about Jesus. You'd see the, another really long line in the area that we've set aside for clothing. We give away a lot of clothing and coats and backpacks and and uh, mats that our church has been making and 
um, sweaters and all kinds of things, uh, shoes, just everything. And I mean, uh, not a little bit of clothing, tons and tons of clothing. And you're going to see the friendliest people in the world who are going to be handing that clothing out, helping people shop. We have it set up so it'll be like everybody will have their own little personal shopper to help them find the things that they're looking for. You'll see some people uh, from Malta Medical. Our entire medical staff will be there, doctors and nurses. Uh, they'll be there uh, treating people in the park who uh, are in need of, of medical care. At the same time, uh, others will just be over there um, getting checked out and uh, some really neat things. You'll see a, a super secure uh, children's area uh, with more security and, uh, and so we can take the kids in there. They can play and have a blast uh, while uh, moms and dads are out sharing Jesus uh, with the people in the park. Uh, you'll see music. You'll see all kinds of things uh, you don't want to miss. So, Drew, thank you very, very much. Uh, and we miss you. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the week. You've been listening to the Word to Stand On for Life. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We will be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the program i know i told you this already it's friday we're so excited that uh, when we wake up tomorrow it's joy of jesus and that's um leads me into a, a an email that we just now got from michael who says uh pastor ron i took what you've said many times before about putting ourselves out there and serving when we have an opportunity to or a call to do so. Although I'm not a member of Calvary Chapel, I wanted to offer my service at the Joy of Jesus. I called the church office last week and asked about it. I was told to just show up around 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, and that would be okay. Uh, I want clarification, if, and if that is the appropriate thing to do in order to serve. And then he says, with an LOL by it, will I get a T-shirt? Thank you for your time. I'm praying for the successful outreach and execution of joy of Jesus. Michael, thank you for your prayers. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, yeah, Michael, if you want to show up even earlier than that, we're going to have people out there really, really early. So if you want to get out there in the dark, uh, 6.30, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, I'm, I'm being uh, notified. Uh, there is a lot of setup to do, uh, lots and lots of stuff, and we would love to have your help. So anytime, and if you get there, if you don't get there until 930, um, uh, just ask somebody uh, for directions. How can I help? What kind of service do you need? Uh, and they will help you uh, and, and tell you where you can serve. But there's always a lot to do. One of the things, uh, Michael, that you can do, uh, other than just the work of setting up and tearing down. And by the way, we need a lot of help tearing down tomorrow at the end of the event as well. So if you can stick around, that would be a real blessing. Uh, but one of the things that you can do is just remember that the people in the park, especially those who are homeless, are really the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, and the confused. And they need people just to share Jesus with them. It's not a... a, a, a thing you check off your box you know it's not uh here's the romans road uh it's just talking to people it's loving them and touching them uh one of the things that i've learned over the the 19 years now that we've been doing this is that um, um people respond to touch now there's a lot of mental illness in the homeless community so when somebody talks to me, Michael, what I always do is say, look, I'm a hugger. Can I hug you? And I wait for their permission. And then they, I, I've never had anybody say no. I had one guy say no one time, and then he goes, no, it's okay. So um, it, it's just an opportunity. It's not us doing a bunch of stuff. Now, we're going to be out there. We're going to be working hard. But it's um, an opportunity to be Jesus' arms and be his heart. So uh, thank you for taking an interest. I'm 
thrilled for you. Can't wait to see you out there. Unfortunately, we had to have our T-shirt orders in. We had more T-shirts this year than ever before, and we do that so that we can identify the people we're serving. You might want to wear a dark blue T-shirt if you've got one or a royal blue T-shirt if you've got one, and that way you'll fit right in. Uh, if there are extras out there uh, in the middle of the day, uh, people sometimes they can't come, they get sick or something, there might be some T-shirts uh, after the fact. Um, one of the neat things that's happening here tonight I know, for example, Paula is going to be wearing uh, a, a last year's Joy of Jesus T-shirt, and we've had people doing this, wearing years, uh, previous year's Joy of Jesus T-shirts, getting up. So tomorrow they'll be breaking out their brand new ones. My producer's sitting here uh, in the office now with last year's uh, Joy of Jesus T-shirt as well. So, uh, Michael, thank you very, very much. Um, men and women that step out by faith, and especially when they step a little bit out of their comfort zones, they're in a place where their lives are going to change forever. 340-9585 if you have a live call or question. Here is a question from Dennis. Pastor Ron, there are many differing worldviews. Why should one accept a Christian worldview as opposed to an atheistic, atheistic or other religious view? Well, Dennis, a couple of things. A Christian worldview doesn't save. It's Jesus who saves. Now, the reason that we should accept a worldview that comes from our Bible is because Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. Now, that's a crazy claim. At the park tomorrow, we'll meet people who tell you they're God. Happens every year. At the same time, Jesus put his money where his mouth is. Jesus submitted himself unto death. Talk about humility. But even greater, because he didn't stay dead, that validated everything that he said. The reason that we should accept a Christian worldview is because Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And then we have overwhelming evidence to back it up. Overwhelming evidence. So you accept Christ, Dennis. And then, as I was speaking with Jordan on the program yesterday, as Christians, we have to accept his worldview. Our job as Christians is to agree with Christ. It also means necessarily, and people always get angry when I say this because they're not listening to really what I'm saying. But the fact that Jesus has proven the claims that he made about himself to be true, undeniable evidence. Every other contradictory religious system in this world is not true. An atheistic worldview, you mentioned that. Our Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. God has made his presence known the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. There's no nation or language where they're not heard or understood. So that's why we accept a Christian worldview, because we've accepted Jesus Christ. And if what I believe is true, based on the evidence, then every other religious system or irreligious system is demonstrably false. People can believe something sincerely. In fact, that's in part what I'm going to talk about Sunday morning in our study in Romans chapter 10. But sincerity is not the measure from heaven. Zeal is not the measure from heaven. The measure from heaven is truth. What's true? And we've lost that in our church culture. we lost it in our American culture. There can't be more than one truth. If anything contradicts with what we know to be true, then it is patently untrue. So, Dennis, I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much. Uh, here's a question from... Oh, i got a question that just came in. Let me go there first. Um, let me do this one. Here's a question from Rachel. 
Uh, Pastor Ron, should we pray only the Lord's Prayer? Uh, no, Rachel, the Lord's Prayer, it's a model for prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. His prayer is John chapter 17, and it's glorious. But this is how he teaches us to pray. And the Lord's Prayer is sort of an outline. Uh, Rachel, let me recommend to you a teaching I did uh, in the Gospel of Matthew uh, on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I think I took several weeks to do it, so you can you can listen to it. It's, all of our stuff is free online. Go to the Gospel of Matthew in the appropriate chapter, and um, and and maybe that'll give you some direction. But the idea here is that the Lord's Prayer is an outline. Uh, our Father which art in heaven. The first thing, if you stop, and I'm going to just take this one example to sort of fill in um, um, the, the space. Um, if you, you have to be able to start this prayer with our Father. That means you're an adopted son or an adopted daughter. It means you have to be born again. So the first thing when we pray that, our first question should be, can I say that? You know, we can say Father God, but if we don't know him through Jesus Christ then we have no access. So we've got to come to, to grips with our Father. When it says it, He lives in heaven, our Father which art in heaven, if we stop and think about that for a moment, we think that that means He's, according to Psalm 29, enthroned above the judgment. It means He is the, the, the bridge that allows us to escape the judgment of, of, of God's wrath on earth. But it also means that he's in a position where his perspective, he can see everything. If he's in heaven, he's enthroned above the judgment, and by believing in him we're saved from judgment, it also then necessarily means that, that, that he's got us in his sight at all times. He knows what's going to happen the next 10 minutes. He knows what's going to happen the next 10 years. And so we can say, our Father, you're my Father, I'm a believer, thank you, Jesus. But then you can say, Lord, you've got all of the problems that I'm struggling with already figured out because you know these things. Now, that's just one line. And it shows you how to kind of fill in the blanks. Give us this day our daily bread. You can rejoice because he provides our daily needs. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. It forces us to look into our heart. Lord, have I forgiven others? If I'm asking you to forgive me the way I forgive others, does that mean if I'm not forgiving others that I'm asking you not to forgive me? I mean, there's so much depth there. So, Rachel, no, we're not only supposed to pray that. Let me make you one other suggestion. Uh, read the prayers in Colossians chapter 1, chapter 3. Also, the prayers in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If you really want to learn how to pray, listen to those prayers. Read them out loud, and you can apply so much of those prayers to you. You know those are prayers in the will of God because they were written by the Spirit of God. You can look at the prayer in Daniel chapters 9 and 10 after the vision. You can read his prayer. You can read Isaiah's prayer in chapter 1. And that's how we learn to pray. But mostly, Rachel, don't do anything that becomes monotonous that you can do it without thinking. Just talk to Jesus. That's what prayer is. You're talking to Jesus. You're getting to know the lover of your soul. And what you'll find is that prayers will start getting answered. And I always tell our church here anyway that when prayers start getting answered, God turns us into prayer warriors in the process. So, Rachel, I hope that makes sense to you. Here is a question from Kevin. Uh, why is it so important that Jesus is God instead of just the Son of God? Great question, Kevin. It's, it's, it's so important. It's the difference between eternal life and eternal judgment. Uh, only God can forgive sins. The Bible is clear about that. So if Jesus isn't God, he's not able to forgive sins. You know, other religions who respect Jesus even give him uh, a position as a prophet, and, and they, they, they in many times revere him. They're actually demoting him. Maybe that's not their intent, but that's what happens, because Jesus said he was God. Jesus said, if you have the Son, you have the Father, but if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. And since only God can forgive sins, if Jesus wasn't God, it would mean our sins can't be forgiven. 
That's why when I'm giving invitations, Kevin, I always say, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, then you have eternal life. Sins can be forgiven. I want you to think about one other thing. And this always freaks people out, but I think it's important. What if only the Father was God and Jesus was just the Son of God? That would mean necessarily that God the Father didn't love us enough to die for us. He loved us enough to send his Son, but he didn't love us enough to die himself. But no, because Jesus is God. God actually died for us on that cross. Kevin, you remember the story when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac. A three-day torturous walk to the hill that we know as Calvary. At some point, Isaac, who was not a little boy like the children's stories indicate, probably anywhere between 17 and 22 or 23 years of age, Father, we have the wood for the fire. We have the knife. We have everything we need for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham, with great faith, said, God will provide himself a lamb. But that lamb was God not just the Son of God. Kevin, that's why it's so important. If you have a Jesus who isn't God, then you have a Jesus that's incapable of saving. When we understand that, then the difference, as I said, is the difference between eternal life and eternal torment. So, Kevin, thank you for the question. Here is an anonymous question that's always difficult for me to answer when I get questions like this. Pastor Ron, as a pastor, what is your biggest struggle or trial? Let me say, and I I don't mean to be flippant about this, but my biggest trial is always the one I'm in now. I can look back at all the trials we've been through and all of our years walking with the Lord and the 22 and a half years that we've been here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Uh, and, and, you know, now I can look back at them, and while they were huge trials when I was going through them, they're really not that big a deal now. Why? Because I'm on the other side of them. So it's always the trial that you're in now. In terms of a struggle, Anonymous, I think my biggest struggle is um, managing, and I don't mean that by self-effort, but just managing the heartbreak. Um... I've said on this program before, my life is filled with such joy, uh, overwhelming joy. Uh, an example, I got the pictures today, and uh, it looks in the picture, I don't know how many were there, but it looks like there's 40 people who went down to support Pastor Alfredo and Sandra in this um, um, adoption hearing to, to, to get it all finalized. You know, the question is asked, uh, is there support for these two children in your home? And there's all these people, crazy people who are there saying, yes, my life is so filled with joy because of the hearts of those people. But it is also true that my heart is always broken. It's always broken. Uh, I watch people who God loves, people that I believe love God, but I watch them make horrible choices that have consequences. Um, we have people get so filled with joy of the Lord, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they get lazy and they sort of drift back into their old lives. And I got to tell you, that hurts more than I can communicate. When I see people that I love, people that God loves, who are in pain, when I see people who are consumed with guilt because they don't understand that Jesus died to remove all guilt. When I see people that I love who are trying to 
please God by doing good stuff instead of just understanding that God is already thrilled with them. It hurts. When I see a husband or wife leave their spouse for somebody else and rationalize it by saying God wants me to be happy, so I prayed and God said this is okay, it hurts more than I can communicate. So that's that's always going to be my biggest struggle. And even with all of that, and it never goes away, um, the joy is overwhelming. I've asked many times, Anonymous, I've asked Jesus, how did you do it, Lord? I know he's God, he can do everything, but, but how did you balance the pain with the joy? And the only way to do it is to be in the presence of the Lord. One other comment on this anonymous, the, the trial part of it. it. It would be dishonest if I didn't say our biggest trial here is always money here at Calvary Chapel. We don't ask for money. We never let our needs be known. Um, um, it costs a fortune to do what we do here. Uh, everything is free. Uh, and it never goes away. It's like an elephant sitting on my chest when I go to bed. That elephant is still there every morning. And so that's a, a, a very practical struggle, a trial that uh, hasn't changed in 22 and a half years. So um, those, I guess, that's as honest as I can be with those things. Let's go to Troy calling from San Antonio on line one. Troy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um. I'm reading the book of Hebrews, and I know that um, in the past you just said that you um, don't know for sure, but you, in your heart, you believe that Paul is, is most likely uh, the writer of Hebrews. Um, uh-huh. I, I see sort of a, I, I, I don't really see Paul a lot uh, in the writing, um, especially as it pertains to like chapter 11, when they talk about um, a lot of the Old Testament, and he's quoting a lot of the Old Testament, so... I guess my question is, it could be Paul. Um, I'm not saying that it's not. I just want to know what, what are some of the, the cues that you kind of go by and, and why in your heart you believe that it's the Apostle Paul that, that wrote Hebrews. Okay, I could do that, Troy. Thank you very much for calling. I appreciate the question. You know, uh, I, I, I was one of those guys when I first started um, really, really digging into the Word and had all these questions. Uh, I was one who... Who, who really wanted to find an alternative to Paul. You know, the King James Bible says the epistle of St. Paul to the Hebrews. Um, but, but you know, I was studying, and I, I wanted to prove it was Barnabas, or I wanted to prove it was Apollos, and, and there's no way to do it. And, and at some point, you get to the, to the place where you, where, you know, it's not so important that you know for sure. You know, Hebrews, because the author isn't identified as an apostle, was one of the last books to be accepted into the canon of Scripture. There was a lot of struggle over accepting uh, um, um, the book of Hebrews in the canon. Uh, and, and I guess in my pride, I thought I could solve the problem, uh, but, but there was no answer. When I finally got to the place where it was okay that I didn't know, and then reading it over and over and over. Now, I don't mean to sound super spiritual when I say this, but uh, I've read the book of Hebrews um, conservatively a hundred times. And um, I, I know the heart of the Apostle Paul so well. Uh, he is uh, my hero of the faith. Uh, I have made uh, 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 my life, uh, his life, a, a point of my study. Uh, I, from the very beginning of my walk with the Lord, I think God put him in my heart. I want to know him um, as well as I know anybody in this world. And I, I just think... Troy, when you read something over and over and over and over and over, and you become so familiar with its content that you you hear the heart of the author. And I, I think all of the ideas are Pauline. Now, I understand the arguments that say, well, but the, the style of writing is different. Well, the, the style of writing in John's epistles are different than his gospel as well, certainly different than the book of Revelation. But remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who's pushing the pens of men. And Paul had a different purpose. He was writing to an entirely Jewish audience. And I think in 
Hebrews, especially when you get to chapter 11, Paul is demonstrating a mastery of Old Testament history that very few others would ever have had. The doctrine is Pauline. The heart behind the doctrine is Pauline. Um, The phraseology is Pauline. Again, the writing style is different. I'm aware of that. Uh, But I have just become convinced, uh, and I don't know when this happened, but uh, as I started to read it over and over and over and over, uh, I just slowly became convinced it was the Apostle Paul. Now, obviously, uh, that's an unprovable conclusion. Uh, and, and if you, Troy, or anybody else thinks differently, God bless you, you're still a Christian, I'll still see you when Jesus raptures us. Um, but I think if you know the heart of the Apostle Paul, if you understand what was constantly going through his mind, his his heart for the lost and for the backslidden, the pain that he bore, it's all in the book of Hebrews. And and that's why I believe, and I'm personally convinced that Paul is the writer of Hebrews. So, Troy, that's the best I can do. It, it's not provable, um, nor is any other author, um, but, but it just, I'll bet if you sit down and read it 20 times, not all at once, of course, but just keep reading. I just think the Apostle Paul sort of jumps out at you. So thanks, Troy. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, we're inside our last minute, so let me remind you, tomorrow, Travis Park, 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock, our 19th annual Joy of Jesus Festival, our celebration. People are going to get saved tomorrow. Imagine that. We're going to get up in the morning, and people are going to get saved. Tonight, Acts chapter 5, but just a little bit. We're going to talk about Joy of Jesus in the book of Acts, and then uh, we'll be here on Sunday morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow if I get you out there at Travis Park. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.